The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I am Reverend Dan Beckett and here with co-host Reverend Michelle Jelich. Today we share ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. Each week on the show, we'll respond to a listener question or comment. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected, so please let us know what's on your mind. We would love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Imagine That. When we first get into addiction recovery, it can be hard to imagine a life without a drink or a drug. It may seem like our life is over and we'll never have fun again. But nothing could be further from the truth. We soon begin to learn that there is a new way of being in the world that is far better than our old habits. Today, we'll share our experience, strength, and hope on moving from a dull existence to the life you want to live through the spiritual power of imagination. So we'll begin today by sharing some of our experiences of what that dull existence was like. And then we'll move into the solution, which is using the power of imagination. And after the break, we'll share exactly how we use the power of imagination to move from that dull existence to the life we want to live. So, Dan, start us out today and tell us a little bit about that dull existence during maybe active using or in your early sobriety. What was that like? Yeah, you know, as we talked about this earlier, I realized that uh, that sort of dull existence, um, well, certainly hard to see at the time, just like anything. You know how like we're the last one to know uh, the extent of the, the problem we have. Those of us or the, or the ones with the addiction are often the last ones to know. And so I didn't really realize, you know, how sort of blah, you know, I don't have a good, was that an English word, blah? I understood it. Uh, <laughs> have a word for it. Um, and what occurred to me was is like that old analogy of the boiled frogs, right? Like, so people will say that if you throw a, if you throw a frog into a, a pot of hot water, it'll jump out, right? Cause it has sense. But if you put it in 
room temperature water and slowly raise the heat, it'll just sit there because it doesn't notice. And that's kind of like what my experience of the growth of addiction was, is slowly over time it got what I now call worse and worse, and I didn't really notice. And it's the same thing with what I can now see as a, what I could call a dull existence. I didn't think of it that way then. I didn't see it. I didn't realize it. I didn't know it. But looking back on it, you know, I can see things like, uh, sort of a ever present. It's almost like there was a gray cloud that kind of followed me around, and I was so used to it that I forgot what the sky looked like. Yeah. You know, when I when the sun was shining, um, that kind of thing. So maybe what is that like a mild sort of depression and anxiety yeah. often goes together with it, and I had that too. And so a, a dull existence for me back then was at least in part included some uh, degree of what I would call mild depression, maybe medium at its worst, and yeah. uh, the companion anxiety that went along with it. Yeah, I understand that. Um, having suffered from that low-grade mild depression most of my life as well. And then uh, maybe we're not, the alcoholics are not the brightest bunch because we a lot of us all already have mild depression and then we pour a depressant on top of it and wonder why we feel like crap, right? Because it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Good time. Apparently. Yeah, I know what you mean though. Yeah, and so, I mean, obviously alcohol is a depressant and has a dulling effect. Um, you know, as we were talking about before the show, I can't say that my drinking life was dull because, it, I mean, I had a lot of fun. You know, I hear people say that in the rooms, and that's fine. It was fun until it wasn't fun anymore, you know. I certainly had a lot of fun. But um, there were compulsive aspects to my life Um that I would consider sort of dull. Um, you know, I had like some obsessive compulsive habits. I had to, uh, have my apartment perfectly clean all the time. I had this perfectionism that sort of plagued every aspect of my life. I lived in, um, a lot of worry and fear about the future, things like that, that, um, that I can remember back from my drinking time. But I certainly relate with that idea that you talked about in the description of the show that, you know, when, and I got sober really young. So I think this was even more for me. It's like, how am I going to not drink the rest of my life? This is going to be so boring. How will I ever have fun again? And I love it. When, <laughs> I love it when newcomers say that in the rooms because we always just look at them and go, "Just hold on to your seat, honey, because it's about to get real." <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you can probably chime in that you know I've had more fun in sobriety than I could ever imagine, but it doesn't look that way in early sobriety it, or or you know early recovery from any active addiction. It can look like you know how is life going to be any fun anymore without this substance that I'm addicted to? Yeah. But hold on to your seat because sobriety is a wild ride. <laughs> Things are about to get very interesting. Yes, they are. Like that old curse. May you have an interesting life, <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun. You know, you mentioned that, uh, having a lot of fun in active addiction. And I did too, you know, especially in the beginning of course. And, you know, and I, I ran into the idea, and I know I had found this to be true for myself that what was uh, fun that, you know, I did it because it was fun at first, and then 
I did it because it was a habit, and then I did it because I had to, yeah. you know, drink, I mean. And that uh, the recovery process and participating in in recovery groups and all that, you know, working the steps, all the work that we do is kind of the reverse progression. Like at first I did it because I had to, and then I did it because it was a habit, and then I did it because it was fun, yeah. you know. And so it was that whole 10 miles into the woods, 10 miles out of the woods uh, kind of thing. But yeah, I, I remember having that exact feeling and it's so very common. I mean, I think that's why so many of us can smile on, on, you know, on the other side of all of this, it's easy to do when we remember that, or maybe hear somebody say that, you know, that kind of lament, like, Oh man, this is going to, this is going to suck. I I can't ever have fun again. How am I going to have fun? And I, I was there. I totally, I totally get that. So that's, Uh, Another, you know, when we talk about what did a dull existence look like, well, I talked about late in my drinking career, it looked like one thing, but then maybe early in my sobriety, it looked like another. Now, fortunately, those fears were unfounded, you know, as you alluded to, um, and I have found that to be the case just with those around me as well on this journey. And so... um, you know, what started as fun and then turned into a a burden, uh, I was able to release that burden and, and then being in sobriety was fun. Yeah, I mean, it's actually turned out to be the total opposite to me. If I think about it, you know, when I was drinking, pretty much that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, you know, if people asked me to go and do things and they it didn't involve drinking or being near a bar or any possibilities for drinking, I didn't want to do it. Um, I only wanted to do things that revolved around alcohol. So if you think about it, that was kind of dull, right? Because I was missing out on so many things. I was so limited in what I could do and what I enjoyed doing because it was limited to things that related to drinking. So, you know, and we're going to be talking about the power of imagination today. I actually, you know, was able to use my power of imagination to learn that there's a whole lot of really fun things to do out there. So it actually ended up being the complete opposite of what my fear was. And I don't know why so many of us that get sober young, we have this fear like, oh, I won't be able to drink champagne at my wedding. Like this is this like this is a daily concern is drinking <laughs> champagne at your wedding. But these are the things that go through our minds sometimes in early sobriety because we have we have limited ourselves to the idea that things can only be fun when they involve alcohol or whatever our substance is. Yeah. If you think about it, that's actually pretty dull. I agree. It very much is. And it, and it just struck me how, you know, my relationship with alcohol was an abusive relationship, right? And it's the hallmark of any abusive relationship that you can't see outside of it. That's part of the dynamic you cannot see outside of this little circle that you've put yourself in, in my case, or, you know, in a relationship, someone else has kind of cornered you into. If you're the uh, on the abuse side, I'm not sure. And was I abusing alcohol or was it abusing me or both? I guess I have to put it on me. I must have been the abuser on both sides of that equation. But you cannot see outside of right. it. That's part of the dynamic. And so, yeah, um, if at that moment, thinking about living a life without alcohol 
and I can't see out of this little limited, tiny little circle, you know, that's all about alcohol. It seems like there's nothing, right? Like all I can see is gone and that leaves what? Now, what am I going to do? Just go to work and go, yeah. you know, it's, it seems like it's going to be terrible. But like you said, in reality, it's quite amazingly wonderful. Yes, there is a hump to get over in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. but it doesn't go on for me. It didn't go on for years and years. I mean, we're talking about weeks, maybe months, um, where, you know, running into a difficult patch had, you know, occurred less and less often over time to the point where it, it just simply doesn't happen. Now I've got the tools yeah. to deal with the, you know, if I have difficult emotions come up and my brain goes, Oh yeah, we have a solution for that. It's called alcohol. You know, I'm pretty quickly like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm aware of that solution and I'm not doing that. Yeah. So let's apply some of these other tools, some spiritual tools, some emotional tools right. that I've picked up along the way. Yeah, that fear that life is not going to be fun anymore is just completely erroneous and unfounded. I mean, have you ever found a more fun group of people than a bunch of sober alcoholics? Honestly, we, I mean. We haven't. I remember my first home group, the room was down a long hallway. And so you could, as you walked, you could begin to hear what was going on. And I swear, and I, I shared this at a meeting, I feel like I'm walking toward a comedy club. Yeah. The laugh coming out of that room yeah. just leading up to the beginning of the meeting just yeah. the the energy and the positivity and yeah. you know just from the conversation of the people who were in the room before the meeting started my goodness isn't it somewhere in our literature i believe maybe in the big book where it says we absolutely insist on enjoying life that seems i like think so yeah. i'd have to look that up i'm really bad at quotes but yeah we and do. it's true. I mean, we didn't get sober to be miserable and dull and bored. We got sober to have a wonderful life and live happy, joyous, and free. So that's what we insist on. Yeah, the life we want. That's right. So let's uh, shift gears now that we know about this challenge. We're all remembering, like, bringing it crashing back, perhaps, <laughs> of a dull existence. Uh, what is the solution? Well, in unity, we always affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. Yes, and our unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, as we know, developed a set of 12 spiritual principles that he called the 12 powers. And these are 12 spiritual abilities that we all have and which we can learn to use more effectively in our spiritual growth. And the ability that can lead us out of a dull seeming life or a fear of a dull life or an actual dull life and then a fear of a dull life is what uh, into the life we want to live is our very creative power, the power of imagination. And that's what we want to focus on today. But the power of imagination, like many things, it can mean different things to different people. So, Michelle, when you think about the 12 power, specifically the power of imagination, what comes to mind? Well, basically the definition that we find if we look this power up is that uh, the power of imagination is the ability to conceptualize and envision a different future. And so that pretty much encapsulates it. It's the ability of our mind to, of our mind to imagine that things could be different. You know, assuming that we came to sobriety because there were some pretty big things in our lives we were not happy with, 
our power of imagination is what allowed us to even imagine that things could be different, that life could be better. Um, and so, you know, in unity, we talk about uh, the power of our thoughts to create our existence, to create our experience of reality. And so we have to be able to conceive of a different reality before we can even begin to create one. And we may not know exactly what it's going to look like. In fact, we most certainly do not. But we have to be able to have some sort of a vision of things being different. And so it's sort of like, you know, we talked about the dull existence and being in a rut and being stuck in behaviors. The power of imagination comes in and allows us to um, imagine ourselves unstuck, to imagine that we could get out of that rut that there could be a whole realm of possibilities out there that we have not experienced yet. So that's how we use that power of imagination. I love that word in envision, envision, yes. because the visioning, the visioning process and the, the ability that we have as uh, human beings to hold a vision of something to sort of create in our minds a, a a plan almost I don't know not quite a plan but a feeling like we could create a we can create a place and put ourselves in that place and feel like it would feel to be in that place we can create a conception for a whole new way of being you know it's been pointed out that uh, anything that any human has ever made has begun in the realm of consciousness first. Right. Right. It began as a product of this very uh, creative power that we have that we call imagination. And so far from being like divorced from so-called reality, I think in a very real way, it's the birthplace of what ends up being perceived by me to be uh, what I call reality. So it, it's the kind of thing that I, I have found uh, was easy for me to sort of underestimate the power of or really kind of miss the essential nature of it, not realize uh, its true power and how foundational it is. In, in A, in, in creating, it created my life uh, as an active alcoholic, it created my life on a recovery path. It has created the life that I'm living right now. And then, of course, I can, uh, if I'm aware of that and I'm willing to do the work, I'm not saying any of this is easy, uh, but it can be uh, learned and done. I can create a different kind of life if I want to. Anyway, it all comes down to what we're calling the power of imagination, which I do find uh, very helpful to think about it, visioning or envisioning because imagination can sometimes mean not real and i get it it's not physical right it's a, i can imagine the perfect you know lamp for my desk in my head and and yeah that that that's not a physical reality in front of me now now it could become so but um, you know holding a vision envisioning a new future envisioning a different way of doing something you know are are all parts of imagination so when i when i think about the power of Im imagination i immediately move to this creative ability that's so much bigger than i ever realized it was 
Yeah, so we've talked about this kind of thing before that we are always using this creative ability of ours. We are always co-creating our lives with spirit. It's a matter of whether we're doing it consciously or not, right? And so a lot of us, for the most part, were doing it unconsciously. And we couldn't figure out how we kept creating these situations that weren't what we wanted, but it was because we were doing it unconsciously. So, so much about the spiritual journey and the recovery path is learning to use these powers that we have in a conscious way. So rather than we just keep creating stuff we don't want, we start using that power of imagination to create what we do want. And for me, the idea that I even could do that was a revelation. I didn't know. And if you've not been in unity before and you haven't been introduced to these concepts, how would you know, you know? you wouldn't know that you were doing that. You're just living your life and can't figure out why you're not getting the results you want. But we learn to use these powers consciously. And one thing that um, I think of when I think of imagination is, you know, and this is kind of some, you know, basic unity concepts that for us, there is a, there's a spiritual realm in addition to the material realm in which we live There is a spiritual realm, which is the realm of sort of potentiality or of infinite possibilities. It's the realm of God, right? And so we learn that we have access to tap into that realm of infinite possibilities, that we are not, we are basically unlimited beings. We are only limited by our ability to tap into and access um, that power of imagination to to uh, create from that realm of infinite possibilities. So I, I hope that makes sense. But um, it's the idea it that there's this infinite creativity. You know, you if you if you can envision it, you can create it. If you can believe it, you can, you know, have it. You, and and this has gotten this concept has gotten sort of secularized through things like the secret you know, where people are using this power to create, you know, cars and houses and things like that. And we can certainly use it in that way. But I think we find that we want to use it in a little broader way of really creating, like we're talking about today, the life that we want. Yeah, I think that kind of superficial way of using it doesn't last. It doesn't have legs because it's not deeply rooted in uh, a spiritual um, reality or tradition. I, that's been my experience with it, yeah. that it really requires a, the deep roots of what to me uh, is spirituality in order to you know, be something that I can rely on year after year, decade after decade sure. in life. You, know, you used a, a good word, and I love that um, you reminded us that we are using all these 12 powers all the time. It's just, are we aware of it? And we can, of course, be using them in what I like to call skillful ways, unskillful ways. I had them, my minister used to talk about unskillful uses of mind. Yes. And I found that a helpful phrase to think, oh, well, maybe I could get some skills and practice some skillful uses of mind and my life could be different. You know, I was reminded of uh, the quote from the Gospel of John. This is uh, chapter 8, verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes. Now, that can be applied to a lot of things, but and it directly applies to this. You will know the truth of the power of your creative ability that, in my view, was inherited from 
the source of all, whatever you call it. I use the word God, um, but I recognize that's a concept, right? Uh, so whatever the source of all that is, is whatever has created creation, however you choose to look at that, that level, that universe creating ability, we inherit because we're spiritual beings having a human experience. That's why I love um, the the very beginning of Genesis. The Hebrew Bible begins in Genesis 1 with the seven day, you know, six days of creation and a day of rest. And that is in a very real sense uh, an analogy, and it is a demonstration of a power that we as as uh, if we think of ourselves as, quote, children of God, we have inherited that ability. Right. Uh, we literally create worlds, and we're so good yes. at it, we can't, we don't even realize we're doing it. Yes. So, uh, for example, if you've ever seen a very talented, uh, you know, painter or actor or dancer, they're so good at what they do that they make it look effortless yeah. and easy and everything flows. But then when I start to try to do the dance or cook the dish or do the act, the role or whatever, I realize how incredibly difficult it actually is. And the fact that they make it look easy is a testament to their ability along those lines. And we are the same way with our creativity. We are so good at it. We have created our life experience and we haven't even realized that we've done it. Because we're so good, we make it look easy. The machinations are invisible to us yes. because we're so studied in it and so practiced in it. And if we can know that truth, then that truth can set us free because it returns that ability to our conscious mind, not right. just our unconscious mind. Exactly. And I love I love that about it because because we if we don't like what we created, we can recreate it. Yes. You know my. My friend Edwin Gaines used to say, you know, if you pray something into your life and you don't like it, pray it right back on out. <laughs> you know, you get to change this. Yeah. You Why? Do. Because we have the power of imagination, which when we use it in a skillful manner is the very taproot of the creativity that has created everything. And we can use it that way ourselves. Yeah, that's why the, the spiritual path is a path of awakening. We're awakening to these processes that were previously unconscious. We didn't know we were engaging in them, and now we can use them in a conscious way to get the things that we want, to create the life we want. You know, you brought up the Genesis story, and, you know, it says in there, after all this stuff was created, that man was given dominion over the things of the earth. And I believe in part what that means is that man is given the ability to create in the material realm. This is, this is the realm in which we are currently living as incarnated beings. And we are given that power of imagination, that dominion over the material to create the life we want while we're here. So thank you. God. Well said. Thank you. I agree. Uh, thumbs up, two thumbs up here, but hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we will continue the conversation. So please stay with us. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages 
This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, we were talking about um, sort of this dull existence that we experienced in uh, early recovery or in our active using time. I think Dan is rejoining us. Are you coming back, Dan? I'm doing the best I can. I'm okay. on my phone having some technical difficulties today. So catch me up. Where are you? Okay, so I'm just about? I'm just saying that before the break, we were discussing that dull existence of life before we learned about our power of imagination and what the power of imagination means, that we have the co-creative capacity to create the life we want. So what, Dan, can you tell us how that, are, are you able to um, tell us how yeah. that worked for you? Okay, good. So how did you use that power of imagination to begin to create the life that you wanted? Well, first I have to say life got really exciting there for a minute when my internet connection died. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm sitting here talking apparently to myself. Okay, but back back to where we are. Uh, yes, that's dull existence and the power of imagination that can lead us out of it. We talked about that in the beginning. Well, what has helped me a lot is, again, and I, I love this concept, this word envision or a visioning process. Or, you know, we have this thing called a vision board. Yeah. That's just a way we can express this kind of vision, you know, out there in front of us so we can see it, which can be very helpful for clarifying it and reinforcing it and focusing it, etc. And so I, I first need to ask myself the question, what is the life I want to live? Right. And I recognize... Uh-oh. Did we lose him again? To just take a little piece of it, like, I don't need to take on my entire life experience all at one time like I've got between now and 6.30 to, you know, completely uh, redesign a whole new way of being. I can just look at a piece of my life, like what do I do in the world uh, for work or or what kind of r relationships I have, friendships maybe, or, or maybe romantic relationships or what's going on with my physical health or whatever. Just pick one thing and right. use the power of imagination. Use the power to envision a different uh, way of being with just that one thing. So reform, just transform one aspect at a time. And if it ever feels overwhelming, just start with something small. It, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we grow up in a world with so much media that sometimes it thinks, it seems like that if I'm going to do anything, I have to like right out of the gate do it on a global level right. and be like the most amazing person in the world and that's such a unhelpful way of seeing we absolutely do not have to do that we can pick something really small so yeah. what do i like to do in the world can i think of one thing that i like to do in the world oh i like to walk in nature great then let me find a time sometime in the next week when I can walk in nature. That's yeah. an example. That's all you got to do. Right. That's an example of, you know, just taking the first step. Baby steps, we say, right? One one day at a time, one step 
at a time. So, so just don't be afraid to, to begin small. And that's what I had to do. Yeah, I mean, the point is, is that it's awakening to the fact that we are creating our lives at all times, whether we want to do it consciously or not, you know, that we have the power to consciously create more of the life we want. Now, the sort of caveat that I personally would like to give is that, you know, we, yes, we have infinite co-creative capacity, but we are also sharing this material realm currently, this planet that we live on with 7 billion other human beings and a whole lot of other sentient beings that are also in their creative capacity, um, you know, creating their lives as well. So we don't live in a vacuum, right? So I, I can co-create, but I don't have the infinite capacity to just, you know, uh, single-handedly create the entire universe that I want for myself without considering all of those around me who are also creating their realities. So I think that, and I am in no way meaning to badmouth the secret because the secret did a huge um, part in bringing some of these concepts to the larger secular population. Um, I think that where it may fall short is where we come in in unity, we say that we co-create. So we co-create with spirit. And that's really been the key for me. Um, I, you know, as a human being have limited understanding and scope of vision. And I can't always, you know, see a bigger picture or see consciously see all of the possibilities for my life. So I partner with spirit. I partner with God in creating the life I want. So I don't always know. And we say this in 12 step. I don't always know what's good for me. You know, if I knew everything, I would have no need of a higher power. I need to be in partnership with my higher power. So I might say something like, God, I'm not really sure what I am creating right now. I'm not really sure where I should go next or, you know, what job I should be, you know, looking at or, or what kind of a relationship I should be trying to create. I need help. I need access to divine mind. I need to tap into that higher self, that higher understanding. And so then I, you know, do my spiritual practice, prayer and meditation and talking with God and reading spiritual things, whatever, all of those various things. And then I create from that place. So I'm not acting alone. I'm always co-creating with spirit. And like I say, the reason that's important is because as a human being, my scope is limited. So I always aim too low. I always aim too low. And God's vision is always so much higher than mine. God's vision is infinite. So whereas I might imagine a life for myself, you know, with certain limited things, the God mind, the divine mind, imagines something even so much greater and more amazing than I could ever imagine myself from my human mind. So, you know, we have different ways that we uh, remind ourselves of this when we when we are praying or trying to create certain things in unity sometimes we say this or something better or we simply pray for our own or for others highest good so that we're not limiting our creative capacity to what we can envision with our human minds yeah i like that and i'm remembering how so this my creative ability and we all can affirm this my creative ability is, is used in consciousness, right? So I am creating in consciousness because that's where everything begins. 
right? right? And and if uh, if so, here's a here's a concrete example. I mean, it's almost silly, but I want to connect the the idea to a physical reality. So a few years ago, my my teenage son and I decided we wanted to build a dune buggy. Uh -huh. And so that just began as an idea. And, you know, it, it was a concept that we were holding in consciousness. It was a vision that we had of, you know, driving to the grocery store in this wild looking dune buggy thing. Never done that before. I don't know how to do that. You know, we, I assume we figured it out as we go. Well, we did it. And it's in my garage right now. And when we're done, I could get in it and drive it to the grocery store if I wanted to. And so we began from an idea and turned into a reality. And yeah. But what I got to remember is that my creative ability, this divine power of creativity, or we're calling it imagination in this context, uh, is it, the medium is consciousness. Right. Right. I'm not creating dirt and mountains and stuff. I'm creating in my consciousness and out from there, outflowing from there, the physical circumstances of my life change to align with my consciousness. You know, and so it's a, I know it's a weird uh, kind of concept, but here's another example of, of something that I did. Because um, you talked about how we're, you know, we got a planet of 7 billion people and we're all uh, creating at the same time. Um, that is true, but I'm the only one creating in my consciousness. Right. And so um, I, I want to live in a place that's not too hot, right? The way, I'm talking about the weather outside. It's not too hot. Because when I was a kid, I lived in New Orleans for a few years, uh, coming from central Pennsylvania. So let that sink in for a minute. Central Pennsylvania to New Orleans, you can imagine the weather quite different in New Orleans. In fact, it was hotter than you know what down there. And it was so humid, I didn't ever even know there was such thing as that much humidity. And it was m absolutely miserable for me as a kid. I hated it. Anyway, <laughs> I carried that bad experience all through my life. And guess what? Two years ago, we moved from the wonderful, cool mountains of Western North Carolina up there in the hills to Central South Carolina. And guess what the weather's like here? It's not that different than it was in New Orleans. And oh. I said to myself, I am not living in a place that's too hot. Yeah. And so what I did was I decided, and this, you know, this is created in consciousness. I shifted my consciousness around this. And I did it by having some fun with it. So it's never hot here, right? It's only warm. And if it's over 80, I call that warm. If it's right. over 90 degrees, I call that quite warm. And if it's over 100 degrees, that's mighty warm, right? <laughs> there is no hot weather here because I decided <laughs> there wasn't. Now it seems silly, right? Because I've, what is this just like a word game? No, it, you know, it was fun for me because it was something that I could do with words. It was a total shift in my consciousness and all that upset, that anger, that uh, irritation that I hate hot weather, I'm sweaty, I don't like it, the car is too hot, blah, 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 I can't sit on the seat, all of that, gone, gone. I carried yeah. that for 40 years and it's gone. That, I call that a healing, 
Yes. I call it, in a sense, a miracle because I never would have in a million years thought that that could be a reality. And guess what? I live in a place that there are people standing right next to me complaining and calling it hot. And I'm like, I'm glad I don't live in a hot place. Right. So what you're talking about is the fact that we can choose how we experience things. And we have the power with our power of imagination and with our minds to um, to reframe sort of our experience to reframe it first in the realm of consciousness but then it actually outpictures then we begin to experience things differently you know i mean this is such a silly simple example but i remember i was living with a family in mexico and i hated melon i absolutely hated cantaloupe or any kind of melon and they served me cantaloupe and i wanted to be polite so i ate the darn cantaloupe and i thought how am i going to keep eating cantaloupe when i hate it so i decided i was going to like it I just decided I was going to like cantaloupe. And sure enough, after a few more times of eating it, I started to like it. So (laughs) we can actually reframe, you know, our experience. And, you know, for example, what's happening in the world today, um, it's very easy to say, gosh, you know, all these things are happening. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, what are we going to do? This sort of doomsday. And it's not to ignore those things or pretend like they don't exist, but we can choose to reframe what's happening in our minds. We can choose to say, you know, however that works for us, um, you know, our our planet is in transition. Human beings are in transition. We We are on the verge of powerful transformation. You know, this is the chaos before the big shift. Um, You know, we can choose to focus on the things that are good that are happening, the progress that we're making as human beings and the way we treat one another and the way we understand one another. Um, And, you know, sometimes unity, we get accused of being Pollyanna or of being, you know, overly positive or whatever. But it's not that we want to ignore the reality or the things that are happening, but Actually, the truth is that reality is completely subjective and we can actually do our part to shift reality by reframing what's happening and holding a different consciousness. And, you know, it's not going to out the entire world is not going to change overnight because I shifted my consciousness. But my experience of it is certainly going to change. And when lots and lots of people do that, it does have incredible power to shift things in the outer in the material realm. It does because I got to jump in because if I don't shift my consciousness, nothing's going to change. Right. But if I do now change, the door is open. That's right. Yeah, it's tapping into that realm of infinite possibilities. I want to use a slightly um, more concrete example. So I started with the weather because I actually did this and it actually changed my entire relationship with uh, warm weather. But what if instead, you know, I'm saying I am not I'm not going to work at a job that I hate. I am not going to work at a job that I hate. I refuse to work at a job that I hate. Uh, Well, uh, you you know, last week you're saying you hate your job. Are you saying you're going to quit? No, I am going to change my consciousness around my job. Yes. Why? Because I don't, I can't do this anymore. I can't work a job that I hate. And if I change my consciousness around my job, my work, just like I described doing it with the weather, then, oh man, my not, you know, my whole life experience gets better. And then guess what? New job opportunities open up. Because yeah. I'm not all wound up. I'm not all occupied. All my energy is not going into 
quote, you know, working a job I hate. I've released that. I've experienced, I consider that a healing. And now new possibilities open up. So, you know, if, if my ultimate goal is to have a job that I love, let me figure out how to love what I'm doing right now. And then all of a sudden I start seeing all these other possibilities of yep. things I could do that I love. And I quit this job and I take the next one all because I made the decision. Yes. So let me share now. We're having a lot of fun today sharing concrete examples of how we did this in our lives. And I hope it's helpful for everyone that's listening. Um, I want to give an example of how I uh, co-created a whole new career and a new life. And I believe that I co-created it with spirit. So I'm not sure how many years ago it was, about six, seven years ago. Uh, I was doing medical transcription and my main contract uh, vanished overnight and I suddenly had no work. And um, I began this process of visioning and uh, meditation and, uh, you know, vision boarding, all of that stuff that we do to try to figure out what I was supposed to do next. I had this deep sense that spirit was trying to shift me out of something that I had outgrown. And I had this sense that spirit had a larger vision for me, but I didn't know what it was. That's what I meant when I was talking about our human vision being limited. I had that, that inkling that there was something I was meant to be doing, but I just couldn't get a handle on what it was. And so I began a process of lots of prayer and meditation of assessing what my skills were that I had and you know, trying to, you know, asking, asking for guidance, asking to be shown, you know, what career would encompass all of these skills and these experiences that I have amassed in my life. There must be something that can come from all of these various things I've, I've done in my life and challenges I've overcome. And, and this process to make a very long story, very short, ultimately led to my call to ministry. And um, had I not undergone that process, that may not have happened, you know, and it, it took time. It took a lot of time. I, I tried to, I tried to make a few other things happen and they just were not happening. They just kept falling through. And I just kept saying, God, I know there is something that I am meant to do. I know that I am being called to something higher and it unfolded over a period of years. But ultimately I was led to this amazing calling, which is so much more than a job. Um, and that I find incredibly fulfilling and that utilizes all of my skills. But in, in my human conscious, in my human, uh, my human perspective, my human mind, I couldn't, I couldn't get at that vision. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't see what that, I was like, this all has to add up to something. What is it? And I just couldn't get it. But I was consciously taking time each day to tap into divine mind. And eventually I got it. You know, eventually the, the message came through loud and clear. And and that's just an example of many examples in my life where the, God's vision was so much higher than mine. I was aiming too low. I just was aiming too low. I had no idea that something so much bigger and more amazing was possible for me. So that's why for me, it's so important for me to be always co-creating with God or with divine mind. Yeah, we always say this or something better. That's right. You know, in our prayer, as to you know, consciously not limit our good. 
you know, not limit our upside. You know, this whole thing that we're talking about and what you just described, I find represented very well in, I'm going to go back to the uh, Christian scripture, Gospel of Matthew 6.33 says, but strive first for the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The way that translates into my understanding of life and spirit is I, I've got to keep my eyes on spirit, my relationship with spirit, and the, the shifting that I'm doing, the creating that I'm doing, is create in consciousness. And then I don't have to worry about it from there because all the rest of that stuff, like the actual new job, right. the dune buggy, uh, my experience of the weather, all the rest of that stuff will just follow. I don't need to go get it or go do it. I keep my eyes on the spirit and I keep my co-creation in consciousness and everything else will follow. Yep. But we once again have got to change gears. I'm in a dune buggy mode with my gear changing. And turn <laughs> our attention to a question or a comment from our listeners. So here's a question that often comes up. Uh, sometimes people say things like, quote, it's just in your imagination, as if that stuff doesn't exist or, or matter, like it's nothing. So how can those things that are, quote, allegedly just in my imagination help me change my life if it's all just made up anyway? Oh, gosh, and I have to explain this in well, like one minute. Think? I mean, this, <laughs> this is basic unity, you know, theology or basic unity principles is that everything begins in consciousness and then out pictures in the material realm or not. And it goes to our third principle, you know, that we are co-creators with spirit, creating our experience of life. Yes. And so um, everything is in our imagination. Everything begins in our imagination. We are constantly making up what is our experience of reality. There's no like actual, you know, objective reality. It's it's each one of our subjective experiences as is filtered through our own consciousness and our own, you know, uh, our own mind, etc. So it just goes back to what we've been talking about, that we can... We can change our experience of reality by changing our consciousness. And it's not to say that that's easy, but you mentioned starting with small things and learning to exercise that power of imagination. And again, for me, especially, it's important always co-creating with God. You know, at our church, we affirm that very thing. And I'm so glad you said that because I hadn't made the connection. The third unity principle, the way we put it is we are co-creating with God actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. And yes. that's exactly what we're talking about here. You just begin with what's right in front of you. You begin with something manageable and realize that you're work, we are working to shift. I am working to shift my consciousness around something. Um, that is how I co-create with God, as the principle says. And we're creating our world through thoughts. You know, the thoughts that are running through my head, my conception of things yep. through thoughts held in mind. And again, you know, I, I, I love the Bible. You know that. So going back to strive first for the kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Yes. Awesome. Well, as always, we like to give you an affirmation that sort of uh, helps to make these ideas concrete and that you can use. And so our affirmation for today is... 
I hold a vision of the good unfolding in every area of my life, and I allow it to become my reality. Yeah, I hold a vision of all the good unfolding in every area of my life, and I allow that to become my reality. Amen to that. Amen. That kind of says it all. Sort of once you know how this works, it all makes sense. But if, if it feels like a giant weird mystery to you, don't worry about it. Just keep <laughs> showing up one foot in front of the other one day at a time and, and you'll get it. Well, it, guess what? It's happened again. You've given yourself <laughs> the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery and we are grateful. We hope you found something in all of our nattering that will be genuinely helpful to you in your recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, for our discussion, as always. And thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are in your journey. And listeners, you know that you can always connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and we invite you to give us your thoughts and feedback. So please join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And don't drink like mine. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.